Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, everybody. Sorry about the slight delay there. Windows update got the best of my machine. There is, I guess, a big some sort of install last night and it messed up all my audio settings, which I choose not to use Windows defaults and then it updates drivers and the new Windows audio driver uh, condenses audio. It, it's just, it's terrible. And this has happened for years now. I, I drives me up the wall, but at least I now basically know how to fix it. So it only took, what, what was that, 10 minutes instead of back when it first started and I was hunting everywhere and it took me like 45 minutes to figure out what was going on. Anyway, we're back on track. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's your week in review edition of the show. We will have all the stories of the last week, and there are many. They are plentiful. We'll have the ads. We'll have the drops. We'll have the holds. We'll have the watch list guys. We'll have the buys. We'll have the sells. We'll have the injury replacement board. And we'll finish her off with a 30-team look ahead at the weekend coming up, which, again, will largely parallel the things we talked about as kind of the stories of the week. So we'll lightning round our way through that, but it'll at least give us things to kind of watch out for as the weekend develops, what are the moves we might make for or against, ad drop, that kind of stuff. Uh, quickly, before we get started, I want to see if everybody had a chance to check out uh, my Night in 90 segment. I've tried the last two evenings. Those are all available on the YouTube page. I've also posted them on Twitter. Um, it's a challenge for me to talk as fast as humanly possible and see if I can jam in all the biggest stories of the night super quick. My thought process on this was, I can't stay up late to do a show at like 11 o'clock at night Pacific time. My kids are asleep. It would wake them up if I was yelling this loud in their one room over anyway. But what I could do was just get a cell phone right up in my face and do a 90-second quick hit video. So check those out. They're on the YouTube page. Uh, subscribe to that while you're there. Make sure to like uh, anything that you see. Obviously, subscribe if you're listening on the traditional pod channels. I would, would love your feedback on those things. It's uh, kind of a new project and sort of see how it goes. Also, uh, you guys know I've been kind of making this this very conscious push to try to get as many of you as possible into our Sports Ethos Discord. And I don't want to go down the, the deep rabbit hole on why. The short version is that Twitter just gets sort of harder to use every four months. And it's persisting. But we want to make sure that there's a place you guys can hang out if anything happens to Twitter, uh, a place where we can get you all the information from Sports Ethos. I can tell you when pods are coming out, things all like that. Um, there's a link on your screen. It's also in the show description, so come hang out with us over there. Let's get into the mix now. You guys have waited long enough. Here is your week in review. It's week six in the association already. Can you guys believe that? We're six weeks in. Season's almost a quarter done like a 25 26 week season so we're we're pretty close i think once we get through next week we'll actually be past the quarter mark for whatever that's worth but i also don't want this to make you guys panic because the other flip of that is we still have three quarters more actually of the season left so you don't have to freak out most of what we talk about on these weekend review shows has a rest of season bent to it so let's just keep plugging along uh, I hope your Roto teams are doing as well as mine are. I have five Roto leagues. Four of them are redraft. And in those four leagues, my three of them are first place and one is second. So if you guys have followed the Dan Vespers Roto method here, you too should have a pretty darn good team in Roto right now. I hope. Who are the ads of the week? Let's get in. We'll break them all down. Uh, uh, to those that are watching live and hanging out in the chat room, you're probably going to be helping each other today. I don't think there's going to be time to do questions. These weekend review shows do tend to take about an hour, uh, and that's about as much as the old screaming can handle before I got to step away for a minute. So chat room, that's a friends helping friends type of deal today. Let's talk about some ads. These are in no particular order. This is as I worked my way backwards through the week. Uh, so that's the order, I guess. Um, not in order of priority for any stretch, but let's just go through them. Killian Hayes is the first name on the list. He moved into the Pistons starting lineup in yesterday's ball game, And with the very obvious caveat that Detroit's lineup is far from locked in and Hayes is definitely not going to shoot 77% every ball game. He does have a fantasy stat profile that can translate. I'm not going to say it will if given the requisite number of minutes. So far this year, he's right around top 150 in about 26 minutes per ballgame, largely because he is a good steals guy, a decent assists guy, 
and that's a pretty good back to sort of ride to fantasy value. And then yesterday, he actually hit a few shots, but that's not what you're banking on with him. If he slides into there in the starting lineup and he starts getting about 30 minutes of ballgame, I think you can probably expect him to post something in the neighborhood of, I guess not all that far off from what he did last year, which was like 10 points, but he shot 38%. So that's going to have to be a number that works its way up. He can't shoot 38% again, but if he gets into the 40s, that's a big deal. And if he gets into the 40s, the 10 points would become 11. He was at six assists last year. He was at about one and a half steals last season. That would actually be enough if the field goal percent does sort of wiggle its way up into the low 40s. So I'm willing to take a grab on him, see if Detroit gives this thing a few weeks to see if it sticks. If it doesn't, we move on. You may see Jaden Ivey coming up later on in a drop column. Shouldn't be a surprise. That's the story on Killian Hayes. Nothing is guaranteed. Josh Hart is sort of a maybe ad. You guys know, if you've been watching this show or listening to this show daily you guys know every time I try to quit Josh Hart he gets 30 minutes for a couple ball games in a row overall this year he has not gotten 30 minutes and he's basically a lot like Killian Hayes he's around 150 in about 28 minutes per ball game instead of 26 but historically when Hart gets 30 he gets inside the top 100 his steals will probably be a little bit higher as the season progresses and sort of everything, you know, works itself out. Field goal, free throw percent could work their way up. It's not a guarantee, but I would expect it to kind of trend that way. And if you look at what he did with New York last year, he was playing way over his head. He shot 59% with the Knicks. That's just not a number that he's going to replicate. Lately, he's been closer to 50 overall, which is still good. Uh, Lately, he's also generally been into the high 70s instead of the low 70s at the free throw line. And so that's kind of what we're riding on here. Can he get to 30 minutes of ball game? The answer is I have no idea. Because it keeps bouncing back and forth. He's an amazing rebounding guard, which is a great thing to get out of sort of an out-of-position deal. But also, uh, you know, he complained about his minutes, and then suddenly he got he averaged 31 minutes over his last two ball games. Is that something that's going to stick? Or was it, you know, guy complained, he's going to get a couple game bounce, and then he falls back off? So if you have dead weight to cut, I think you could add Josh Hart. If you're looking at some guy who's, like, pretty interesting, then you probably stick with guy who is pretty interesting. I put Malik Beasley on this board, and frankly, he should have been there a little while, a little ways back because he's just been running hot. He's shooting 48% from the field this year. That's a number that I simply still don't believe is going to hold. But this is, again, this is growth. I, this is Dan Vesper showing growth. Just because he's shooting 48% right now doesn't mean it can't last for another week or two. Looking at his last two or three seasons, he's been under 40%. And for his career, he's at 42. Although he did have, you know, a two-week stretch in Minnesota. And if you go all the way back to Denver, like five, six years ago, where he did shoot in the mid to high 40s for this long or a little longer. So anything's possible. He's shooting 44% from downtown. That probably comes down. 67% at the free throw line. That probably goes up. The big key for him right now is that he's getting basically starters minutes. Some of that's because Jay Crowder's out. Some of it's because he's been a good floor spacer for them. However you want to ride this thing out, he's been running warm. And so the, you know, new improved Dan Vesper says, hey, if a guy's running hot, just play him. It's okay. Even if we know that the wheels are going to come off, it's okay to just play him until they do. Kobe White is a stash play. We've talked about this one a thousand times now, but it's worth mentioning again. He doesn't have the fantasy profile to support startership when the team is healthy. But when the team isn't, and now we have news today that Zach Levine is going to be rested for, quote-unquote, a week due to his, quote-unquote, sore foot, Kobe White is very much an ad in a stash. And I don't even know that he's going to be good enough to play with only Levine gone. It's sort of uh, iffy. He's been good lately because uh, he's shooting 92% at the free throw line and he's scoring 20 points a ball game with four three-pointers over his last four or five ball games. You know, that's not a thing that sticks even when guys are hurt, but it's the uptick in usage. That's what you're banking on here because he doesn't get steals or blocks. He doesn't rebound very much. You're banking on points, threes, free throw percent, and hopefully more assists as guys start to get shut down, get moved, whatever. The Bulls' detonation is underway already. So 
we need to be we need to make sure we're on top of that. And Kobe White is I mean, he's the most obvious stash in the NBA right now. He's pretty heavily rostered because everybody knows what's going down, but make sure he's rostered in your league. And don't worry, we'll talk about a couple other bulls a little bit later on. Uh, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre Jr. are both in my ad if dropped discussion. Oubre would have been dropped because of injury. Wiggins would have been dropped because he put together one of the worst starts of a season that I can remember from any established NBA player. But after, before slamming his door in the finger of his car, which is just like, this is like what a kid does as they're learning you don't put your finger near the hinge of the car door or where it closes on the opposite side. Regardless, it happened, or at least that's what they said happened. He had his best game of the season right before that. He was aggressive. I know you could say that the game, like, two and a half weeks ago against the Thunder was maybe better, statistically speaking, but I didn't see better effort in any game besides this last one he played in, their loss in Sacramento. He had 10 rebounds. That was a season high. That's just a sign that he was more engaged. He was having fun. He was aggressive. He was doing the things that Wiggins of old could do. And he got dropped in a bunch of leagues because he was outside the top 300 prior to that ball game, which, again, like, yeah, you can't hold a guy like that. So I don't blame teams for dropping him. But if this is a sign that he's waking up, you, you got to get him. That's basically as far as it goes. Like, if he's waking up and this starts to level off, you need to make sure you have him there. And then same story for Kelly Oubre, who... I don't know that we ever got the actual final story of what happened with him. He said he was hit by a, run, a hit-and-run driver, and then there was some stuff about riding a bicycle. I, like, who knows? Either way, sounds like he's coming back uh, as soon as tonight, possibly, but very soon. And he was great before he went down. He was scoring 16 points on good shooting. He was getting open looks around Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, there's a chance his numbers slow a little bit, but you got to make sure that he's on a roster uh, because he got dropped in a bunch of spots when he was hurt especially when folks thought he was going to be out for a really long time. Cole Anthony, who also kind of falls into the not quite as long as Malik Beasley, but guy who's running crazy hot right now, just needs to be rostered. I don't think that the run he's on lasts for that much longer um, because it never has. And it's not like he's just magically going to become a superstar overnight. But he's putting up superstar numbers over the last week and a half, and you got to play him when that's happening. If you go back to November 21st, which is about a week and a half ago, almost exactly, he had 15 points and 10 assists. He had a couple of decent ball games before that, but there wasn't the like, oh my goodness game until he had the double-double. Then he went for 20 the next night, 16-3-6 with three defensive stats the game after that. 37-7 and in their win over Charlotte. 25-6-5 and with two blocks in their win over Washington. Yeah, I mean, the opponents certainly help, but the Magic have won eight games in a row, and Anthony's been pretty darn warm for about seven of them. So just roll with it. If Markel Fultz ever shows his face, that could put a dent into it. If Cole gets cold, that could put a dent into it. But who cares right now? He's hot. Play it. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Uh, I'm going to go out of order here for a second for those that are watching the list and make sure that Derek Lively is on rosters. He's fully rostered in all of my leagues, but he's still listed as only 44% rostered overall. 
and he very much needs to be because his minutes have been trending up as Jason Kidd and the Mavs have decided that their very old contingent of backup centers just isn't as fun of an option or good, frankly. And for Lively, he's right on the cusp. He's like just outside the top 124 minutes of all game. So 25, one minute, literally all you need to get him inside the top 100 from there. 26, gravy. If he gets up as high as 27, now you're really cooking with gas. And I do think that as the season progresses and he kind of continues to learn the NBA pace, that number might continue to increase. So just make sure he's on a roster. And then we've got two injury return stash guys whose news, all of it was breaking yesterday. Ubre coming back. Boyan Bogdanovich coming back uh, probably tomorrow. Trey Murphy coming back for the Pels as soon as tonight. Uh, I got a lot of questions after these newses broke yesterday of who I prefer between Boyan Bogdanovich and Trey Murphy. And I had to stop and I, I had to stop and I th- had to think about it for a, a really long time because I don't think it's, it's uh, a simple answer. The complicated answer, pared down as best I can, is I think the Pistons need Bogdanovich more than the Pelicans need Trey Murphy. I think Trey Murphy is currently the better player between the two, but I don't know that that matters. Because if you look at last year, and don't look at the very end because the Pels were resting a bunch of guys, he was taking 15, 16 shots a game in those ball games. If you look at last year, he was getting 10 shots a game over the entire season extraordinarily efficient, 48% from the field, 41 from three, 90 at the free throw line. He was damn close to a 50-40-90 guy. And so that got him to 14.5 points, a steal and change, half a block, not many rebounds or assists, but he did it with efficiency. But he was also getting 31 minutes a game last year, which largely came when either Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, or Zion Williamson was out, or some combination of the two of those guys. Those were when he put up his gigantor numbers as you might recall because i've said it on this pod a few times the pelicans were healthy for i'm going to put them up on the screen here because i can do it on one hand four games last season where they had all three of their main dudes and it was in like mid-november before zion went out for almost the whole year before brandon ingram went down for like three months they had all their guys now it's by the way and trey murphy was outside the top 150 during those games but But the flip side of that is they didn't really know what they had in Trey Murphy at that point. He hadn't shown them how good he was yet. So I think this is another spot where we kind of have to keep a few thoughts in our head at the same time. Thought number one is he's probably not going to have the uh, runway he had last year. There simply just won't be as many available shots for him. But the other thought is, the Pels know he's really good, and so they're going to try to find ways to get him into ball games and to get him opportunities somehow, whether that's with rotations, getting kind of clever with him, maybe trying not to have him out there with all three of those other guys at the same time, maybe only have him out there with two of the three high-usage guys. I think they're going to try to figure out a way to make that work because they know how effective he is And how unbelievably important it is to have a a decent defender who can also be one of the best floor spacers in the NBA. I mean, 3 and D guys, we talk about 3 and D all the time, but like, really good 3 is usually not part of that equation. Usually it's like, hey, this defender can shoot the 3 ball a little bit. Trey Murphy's more like, hey, this guy can defend a little bit. Damn, he can really shoot. Laser beam. So I think Trey Murphy will be useful. Uh, I think there's a pretty darn good chance he's a 12-teamer. I just feel like Boyan Bogdanovich, and, and these both of these guys are going to need to ramp up a little bit, so don't expect much in the next you know one or two games from them. But once they get their legs underneath them, a week, week and a half, whatever it takes, I think Boyan Bogdanovich likely scores a whole hell of a lot more than Trey Murphy does. Both of them are actually pretty efficient when it comes to the field goal free throw thing. Bogdanovich actually much better at getting to the line. He was four and a half or five from the free throw line last year. That's almost 90%. Uh, he also shot 49% from the field and hit over two three-pointers a game. The difference is that you got an extra half steal a game out of Trey Murphy. 
and you got an extra six, seven points out of Boyan Bogdanovich, and the rest of their stuff was not all that dissimilar. The positive free throw impact was bigger for Bogdanovich, but the steals actually pushed Trey Murphy to the higher nine cat per game ranking, also the lower turnovers. So I think when you when you roll all that together, as I like to say on this show, into one big old burrito, I think I prefer Bogdanovich. Just because points are going to be harder to find on the wire right now. I'm not super worried about one extra turnover per week out of Boyan, and I don't know that it's even going to be as high this year as it was last year because you know they have Cade back, and he'll go ahead and silk up all the turnovers. Um, I like that big free throw bump. And I don't know that my teams badly need another waiver wire steals guy. So I probably prefer Bogdanovich. I think they're both decent shots to be 12 teamers, but that's where I get to my answer. And you guys can feel free to disagree. I don't know that there's like a perfectly right answer to that. That's just how my brain works through it. Next on the list is our holds. Who This is who you must hold on to right now. Of course, please take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe in between our clusters of names here and also find me over on social at Dan Bespris. You can see that on your screen right now. If you're watching, I made it bigger so it's easier to view. I also promised you guys that I would be uh, a bit more clean-shaven for today's show. See, look at that. Neck is better. Face is better. You can look, you know, preferably better than me by visiting manscaped.com. Use promo code ethos two zero. To get 20% off and free shipping on your orders over at manscaped.com, especially now in the holiday season. This is like the perfect time to get in on the Manscaped stuff. Ethos 2-0, 20% off, free shipping. Get a handyman if you want that close shave. Get a lawnmower if you want to do this, the, the trimming, the beard trimming. Look at this. Look at the beard right now. That's groomed, man. I'm groomed. I'm like a well-manicured lawn. Get in on that at manscaped.com. Ethos 20 here are your holds. I'm realizing now that I could probably leave the window the way it is with my face bigger, but also I don't really want to be this big face. Let's go small, Dan. Small Dan, big words. Holds. Gordon Hayward become a, became a much easier hold last night. Thank goodness for that because it was getting complicated to hang on to him. Uh, but he put up a big ball game for Charlotte, 22-6-6. Uh, He's going to just have more to do. With LaMelo Ball out. It was also helpful that Brandon Miller was out. That gave him a few more things to do. Same with P.J. Washington. Uh, he's he's on the watch list board, I think. Or did I... Where did I put P.J.? Yeah, I think he's on the watch list board. Uh, I don't expect Brandon Miller to be out all that long. We know LaMelo's out for a little bit. So that's the one... And that was the one that I thought, surely Gordon Hayward can find some sort of opportunity here with LaMelo down for this long. Right? Right? Like... He couldn't possibly miss out on this chance. Anyway, let's hang on. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I have to admit, I'm a little worried that as Cam Thomas gets revved up, Dinwiddie won't have as much to do, but you should hold for now. Buddy Heald, this is only, this is basically he's on this board because somebody asked about it. He had one game where his minutes were lower. He fouled out yesterday, so I'm not worried about that. Onyeko Kongu, every time he has a little lull in his fantasy game, I got to throw him on the holds board. He obviously hasn't been as juicy lately as he was earlier, but he always sits inside the top 115 when Clint Capella is healthy. Just wait. At some point this year, Capella is going to miss a few ball games, and then Okongu is going to get nuts. And he's been good enough regardless. Alex Caruso is on the holds board. People are like, can he still hold value if he gets traded? And I'm like, I don't really know, but he's number 75 and nine cat right now, and he's starting for a team that just shut down Zach Levine for, quote-unquote, one week. So, yeah, Caruso's got to be on your team. And then I wrote it as this way, so I'll just read it this way. All the Wizards' messy messes. The Wizards have so many messy messes. Hold on to all of them. Few of them have been good enough anyway. Kuzma's been good enough because they've been actually giving him minutes regardless of whether it's a blowout or not. Uh, Daniel Gafford has been good enough because he can put up stats in short order. By the way, Gafford's now inside the top 60. But you got to hold Jordan Poole. He's a mess, but you got to hold. Tyus Jones, he's been a mess, but you got to hold. Tyus has been a slightly smaller mess than Jordan Poole. Denny Avdia, I think he's, what, didn't he climb just back inside the top 100? Yeah, 95. He's a hold. It's a struggle, man. But as I said yesterday, you know, they're playing right now where 55% of their games have been blowouts. 
That's crazy. Like, that's the type of thing you expect over a week, not a month and a half. I think it's got to get better. I can't guarantee it. But I feel like I got to be there if or when it does. Here's the guys that are either drops or I'm very scared or nervous about them. And I'll let you know which is which. Uh, Karis Levert, he's a drop at this point. Just not doing enough with that team healthy. He, when guys were missing games, he was sort of revving himself up. And then it seemed like even once the team got healthy, he continued to be at that higher aggression click. Now as Donovan Mitchell has gotten himself sort of resettled, Karras is, is out. He's number 175 on the year in 9-cat. That doesn't play in any format. Sadly, he's not good enough in any one statistical category to be like, oh, head-to-head, you could punt so-and-so, but you'd have to punt like four things, and uh, that's probably not a great recipe for winning. Bilal Kulibri! He is playing plenty of minutes, and the fantasy isn't there. Uh, because he doesn't do that much besides get some steals. And his field goal percent has been okay. Uh, for him, it's going to come down to a big usage bump. That's the way that he gets himself back into the mix. Uh, and I don't see that happening unless Jordan Poole and Tyus Jones, you probably have to lose all of the backcourt. And then at some point, we might even see Delon Wright again on that team. So I don't think we need to sit on Koulibaly. I, I don't think we're that close to it being a thing. Um... I said he was, uh, I think on my last show, I called him kind of a, a you know, mid to late season stash, mostly for the head-to-head side. I don't even think we need to do that with him right now. I, I think that you could leave him alone, and I don't think anybody's picking him up because he frankly hasn't been good lately. Jaden Ivey is also a drop. He got moved to the bench. He didn't play very many minutes. This is an easy one as Detroit keeps swish-swashing around their lineups. If he's not playing, he doesn't need to be on a roster. We have no guarantee that he sees an uptick in minutes at any point in the next, I don't know how many weeks. So, yeah, Bobby Portis is is a little bit more of a gray area. He's not an obvious drop. He's been kind of bad lately. Um, he does make more sense on the head-to-head side than Roto because he tends to be better at kind of the points, rebounds part of the show. Um, Roto, I think you can drop head-to-head. I'm okay with you hanging on, uh, provided their schedule kind of allows it. Um, Milwaukee is in the play-in tournament, so as far as head-to-headers go, that gives you a leg up because he's playing on at least one non-overload day. But Roto, he just hasn't been good enough to get into your lineup. So assess from there. Keontae George, he's fa- he also falls in a little bit of a gray area. He's been very bad from a nine-cat standpoint, but we're all kind of just staring at him like, what if it starts to click? Because now you got a point guard starting for a high-octane team who's trying to learn how to play at an NBA speed. You could make a decent argument to just squat on him if your Roto team, like if you don't need your 15th roster slot, because you're not starting him right now. And head-to-head, not that he's been playable, really, over the last couple of weeks. He's outside the top 200, but, you know, on bad percentages, at least he gets you a few points and assists. I'd be more inclined to sit on him just because, again, he has the point guard stat set that could emerge as the season goes. I also get it. Like, if you need that roster spot, he's a drop because he's been bad lately. But he, again, falls in a little bit more of a gray area, as does the last name in this part of the board. That's Santi Aldama, who got moved to the bench in the latest Grizz board reshuffling. Still played 24 and a half minutes, which for him can be enough for fantasy value. It's not guaranteed to be enough. And you might see the Grizzlies rearrange bodies again. But it also sounds like Xavier Tillman is getting close to coming back. It might be tonight. He got upgraded to questionable. If it's not tonight, it's probably the next one. That's just another option in the front court that's going to make life more difficult for Aldama to actually do more than just take a bunch of shots. And so that's why I think you could probably get away with kind of a preemptive drop there. Let's do the watch list real quick. Scoot Henderson is on my watch list um, because you're just watching his sort of growth arc, but it's going to be a bit before he gets to where you want him to be. Obi Toppin is on the watch list for a very different reason. He's seen his minutes actually improve a little. He's still, you know, he's outside the top 140 in 27 minutes a game over the last two weeks. Everybody's looking at this one or two ball games and they're like, oh, here comes Obi. Uh, Someone in my Twitter mentions was like, what gives, man? Like, what if he's guaranteed 30 minutes? But he's not. Nobody's guaranteed 30 minutes on that Pacers team. Uh, head-to-head, you again, you could make a 
argument for the Pacers because they're in the uh, NBA Cup quarters next year. Uh, so, like, that makes more sense. But there's no chance I have the Stones to play him in a roto side when his minutes could just evaporate. Brutal. That's brutal. Io DeSumo and Patrick Williams worked themselves onto my watch list. Patrick Williams was already there before last night. DeSumo uh, got on there yesterday with both DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine resting. DeSumo went from basically afterthought in fantasy to full starters minutes. And I have to admit, I did not see that coming because he's averaging only 16 minutes a game this year. And before last night, that number was in the like 14s and 15s. But then all of a sudden, kablamo, 39 minutes yesterday. I think that game went to overtime, so it would have been more like 34 in regulation. But still, that's full starters level. And we know when he's full starters level, he is very much a 12-teamer. But it does seem like he needs both Levine and DeRozan out to get there. So can we stash him? That's a big ask because a trade of one guy in Chicago feels imminent. A trade of multiple guys feels like it could take a little bit longer. And then Patrick Williams is the other player who is uh, kind of in a, in a similar boat. Williams, at least he plays, you know, he's been around 23, 24 minutes when the team's been healthy. It went up a little bit with Levine kind of in and out of the lineup. He has a quieter fantasy profile, you know, easier for him to get some steals and blocks. Doesn't rebound all that much, doesn't score all that much, but he'll get you a couple of threes. Percentages are not a complete disaster. So Williams is kind of your a little bit more 3 and D type of dude. Uh, so he's, I guess, kind of the third name on that priority totem pole because he, too, would probably be top 100 range, if they dumped Levine and DeRozan, I, I just don't know how high he could go unless he suddenly was like, oh, by the way, I'm going to start taking 13 shots a game, which feels uh, sort of neither. Send him in the chat rooms like, where's Asar Thompson? Don't worry, guys. This board is not over yet. There's more to come. <laughs> Here's the injury replacement list. It's gigantic. Reminder again, by the way, to those that may be joining partway or zipping around, please do take a second to like, rate, subscribe. Please subscribe to the YouTube page. We got all sorts of good stuff. By the way, uh, I came up with some new fun ideas for shows yesterday. I really, like, I hunkered down last night and was like, okay, I want to do some more, um, we call them specialty shows on YouTube. And I don't want to give them all away, um, but definitely subscribe because I have some interesting ideas up my sleeve. In addition to the buy low, sell high, uh, and weekly preview shows that we're doing already, those are not that unique. I, I think I came up with some, some ideas that are a little bit more unique. All right, injury replacement board. This is pretty easy. We can go through this a little faster um, because it's just names and then the sort of associated player that's hurt on them. For the Heat, this has been really weird, by the way, that three players got good when one player went out. Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, and Jaime Jaquez Jr. have all gotten good since Tyler Hero went down. The darndest thing. Kyle Lowry, he plays regardless, but Robinson wasn't getting to do enough. Jaquez wasn't getting to do enough. Uh, it's wild. So um, roll these guys out there as long as Hero's hurt, and then once he comes back, we'll reassess. Goga Batadze, who has been extremely boring, but right around the edge of the top 100 with Wendell Carter Jr. out, so he's a replacement. Kobe White is on here with Zach Levine out, so there you go. We already had him on the other board. Brandon Miller with LaMelo out, but he got hurt, so then P.J. Washington with Brandon Miller out. <laughs> this is the the like Russian nesting doll of injury replacement board. Sadiq Bey with Jalen Johnson out a while. That one has been sort of pretty well confirmed over the last couple of ballgames. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. We talked about him on yesterday's pod. I said, hey, you know, he's been starting with Jaden McDaniels out, but he hasn't been able to take any shots. Well, then Anthony Edwards went down, and Nikhil got a bunch of shots. So he'd be a great spot play if Edwards misses another ballgame. Simona Fontecchio with Larry Markinen out. Not a super fun one. I, I'm not that excited about this. The, and again, this is the injury board where you like you kind of have to wait for updates and you got to make sure you're targeting specific things. Fontecchio has been like a couple of threes and a steal, more or less. If Devin Booker has to miss any time uh, with his ankle sprain, it, it sounded not great. 
So we'll see. Then you'd get Eric Gordon into your lineups. Derek Rose, who's not going to play in back-to-backs, I can pretty much guarantee it, but with both Marcus Smart and John Morant out, he got a shot in the starting lineup. He looked really good. So he's a spot play. Al Horford with Christoph Porzingis out has been awesome. And Joel Embiid uh, missed shoot-around today with his illness, and that would mean more Paul Reed. And by the way, I'll also throw in some news here that broke during the show. Uh, Luka Doncic is out due to personal reasons tonight. Historically, that's meant Tim Hardaway Jr. has been decent enough to get on this board. Um, I'm not going to add him while we're talking right now, but if you wanted to play Tim Hardaway, you probably could, although I think he might be questionable also. So you got to make sure that he's playing before you do it. If he's out... There's going to be a whole lot of Kyrie Irving tonight, baby. Ooh, doggy. And I'm good I'm good with that because I ended up with Kyrie in a lot of spots. Da-da-da-da-da-da-do. I'm good with that. Uh, let's get into the buy low and sell high if you were wondering where some of these names are. Believe it or not, I had Osar Thompson earlier this week on the sell high board. Then he got benched and he played 15 minutes. And now everybody's going to panic. And now you can buy them back. We had to act quickly. And I know some of you guys are like, Dan, how the hell did you know it was going to fall off a cliff like that? I didn't. I thought he was just going to hit a rookie wall. Well, it seems like his coach sort of built the rookie wall. Anyway, people are going to freak out about his bench role. I don't think it's going to last more than a couple of weeks. And uh, once he gets through that, then you might be able to get him, you know, somebody that could roll 75, 80 range at... Very cheap. Hell, he might even get dropped in some spots. Jalen Williams had a big ball game against the Lakers yesterday. At some point, he's going to wake up more permanently, and you're going to want to be aboard for that. OG Ananobi, Jaron Jackson Jr., these guys I've talked about as buy lows for a week and a half, two weeks now, and nothing I've seen has moved me off of that position. Your sell highs are Jeremy Grant because he's running super hot right now, but I do think he settles in that kind of 65 to 80 range. And then Kyle Kuzma, who... Like, we saw him fall 20 spots just because of percentages dip. That whole thing is a little bit frightening uh, with the Wizards. At some point, either they don't play him 32 minutes a game or some of the bottom falls out. So you want to try to lock in. And I think you can get a decent thing. You can get some decent return on Kuzma, I believe, because he's scoring a lot. And he had some big assist games mixed in there. And people are willing to overlook the fact that he's bad at the free throw line and eventually his field goal percent is going to kind of kick you in the nards so you can probably get a pretty good player coming back and that my fine feathered friends is your weekend review part of the show but also uh friends that are both fine and feathered we've got more because we've got a weekend preview part of the show yet to come as i have slapdash haphazardly try to get that to show up on the screen here on uh, the YouTubes. There it is. So very quickly here. Uh, by the way, someone in the chat room was like, maybe you should reassess that Kyle Kuzma is just good. Guys, we know what Kuzma is. We know he's not a 90% free throw shooter, which he's shot over the last two weeks. Um, we know the bottom falls out. That doesn't mean that he's going to be bad. You guys are not great at interpreting when I say buy low, sell high. Kuzma's number 71 right now in 9-cat, and he's still shooting 82% at the free throw line. He doesn't get defensive stats. People are more than willing to overlook that. The 47% from the field probably ticks down to 45-46. When these things happen, the free throw percent comes down, the field goal percent comes down, the other stuff kind of ticks down with it, that will hurt him. But because he's scoring and assisting so much, even though he's ranked 71, you could probably get someone inside the top 60 for him just because of what he does well. Sort of that head-to-head model. Good scoring, good assists, good threes out of a power forward, someone willing to overlook some of the other stuff, will overpay for that. Hope that made sense. Okay. Uh, Weekend in advance, and there won't be that many things here that we haven't already talked about. But uh, Washington, we just talked about. Orlando, again, like, there isn't a whole lot to go on there other than when the hell Markel Fultz actually shows back up again. Um, We talked Cole Anthony already. Knicks, uh, Josh Hart, that's the only one. Raptors, nothing? I think it's basically nothing. 
Where's Scotty Barnes at now? Yeah, he's still 14. Pascal Siakam, he's sort of slowly working his way up the board. Yeah, he's up to 139 now. Which, by the way, Pascal Siakam is, I think, a glowing example of what could happen to Kyle Kuzma when the free throw number comes down. Because their other stuff ain't all that different. Just saying, where he's at right now. Uh, what the hell else is going on here? Memphis, we really need to see what the hell's going on with their starting lineup. Is it still going to be Rose and Roddy? And then in the back-to-back, if Rose is sitting, what do they do there? Dallas, it comes down to uh, health, really. Who else is who's going to be upright for them? Sixers, Joel Embiid's status, that's kind of it. Although Kelly Oubre, if he's back for this one, you'll see how many minutes he gets. It won't be a full compliment. Some people are freaking out about DeAnthony Melton already. I, I don't think you need to. I mean, yeah, he got to do more with guys out. But he finally got the field goal percent up to 40, and so everything now is just sort of fine there. Celtics, they finally played again. Uh, Two-game week for Boston, so that was a little bit annoying. I mean, you know me and my love of Big Al. Spurs I didn't really talk about very much, because Wembenyama, he's been coming on. He's dealing with a little bit of a hip thing, so there's a chance he might miss a game. He's number 27 right now. Field goal percent has inched up a little bit. You guys know my feelings on the Spurs. Pretty much any time guys on that team have a really efficient ball game, you consider selling. Like Devin Vassell. Do you think he's going to have 50-78 splits this year? I'm inclined to doubt it. But if you can get somebody in the 75 or better range, you probably do it. Keldon Johnson. He's fallen to number 80. Nobody's really noticed. We called him a sell when he was in the 60s. Yeah, maybe 80 he could hold. It's a possibility he could keep that, although I still think the field goal percent probably comes down, and I'm a little worried the rebounds do also. And then Jeremy Sohan had that one gigantic ball game to push him back inside the top 200, not that you could sell on him. Uh, I think most of us are just hoping that Sohan misses a couple games so Trey Jones can start at point guard. That's the Spurs. Pelicans, let's see how things how they work Trey Murphy in. That's uh, definitely on the board. Denver, uh, did Jamal Murray tweak something in that last spot? We haven't heard anything about it, so I'm going to just sort of assume the answer is no, but I don't really know for sure. And then Phoenix, Devin Booker's status is kind of the only thing you're worried about. Giant card on Saturday as everybody gets wrapped up because nobody plays, I believe nobody plays on Sunday. Yeah, no games on Sunday, and then the tournament starts on Monday. Uh, So the Warriors, Andrew Wiggins, Chris Paul, those guys are close. It sounds like Chris Paul they're hoping to get back by early next week. He's being reassessed on Monday. Warriors play on Wednesday, so they're off for a while. You know, Chris Paul will miss this game on Saturday, but effectively he ends up getting, like, almost a week off. Uh, So those two guys, Wiggins and Paul, are the question marks for the Warriors, and then how does that kind of trickle down to anybody else? Clippers, not much there at this point. You're just kind of watching the regulars. Minnesota, Anthony Edwards is the question mark because then Nikhil Alexander-Walker could pop loose. Charlotte, Brandon Miller is a question mark because his absence did seem to clear the way for Gordon Hayward and P.J. Washington. Can Hayward subsist on what's there even when Miller's back in? We haven't seen yet. I'm inclined to think the answer is probably, but we don't know for sure. Uh, Brooklyn, as Cam Thomas ramps up, what does that do to the other guys? That's really what we need to know there. People have asked me what my take is on Ben Simmons. Honestly, I'm just kind of worried that it's going to be like last year, where he drops back in, thinks he's okay to play for a little bit, and then uh, just isn't. That's the end of that discussion. Cleveland, nothing really. Detroit, just, you know, who's the... Killian Hayes is the question there. What what does the lineup do? And Boyan Bogdanovich, as he works his way back in. Bulls, will Zach Levine be gone by this game tomorrow? Pacers! Uh, does Obi Toppin actually keep these minutes? I can't believe that it would be true. Miami, Bam Adebayo hurt his hip in that last ball game. That's something I forgot to mention earlier in the show. Thomas Bryant has not been a viable fill-in for him, but Bam, if he has to miss a ball game, that does open up more shots for all of those streamers we keep talking about. Hawks, we have a pretty good feel for. Bucks, I think we got a pretty good feel for. Portis, we talked about earlier already. Uh, Thunder... Not much. Portland, nothing really. Utah, I think Larry Markkinen could be back for this ballgame. They had ruled him out for two, and he's now missed those two. So we'll wait on a report on Markkinen. If he's out, it's mostly been kind of bad news. Jordan Clarkson also missed their last ballgame. 
and that left a whole bunch of shots for Keontae George to miss. But we talked about him already. Uh, Sacramento, I'd love to see Keegan Murray back for this ballgame. I think if you can buy on Murray, this would be your opportunity to do it today because then tomorrow, whoever has him is going to be like, you know what, I'd rather wait and find out if he plays tonight. At that point, you're kind of rolling the dice that they're going to be like, okay, I got him back. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Rockets, they've been off for a bit. I guess the question is whether Freddie Van Vliet is back in there. Uh, Lakers are missing so many rotation guys, and it keeps feeling like that should be enough of an opening for someone like a Torian Prince to be somewhat useful, and he's been basically exactly that. He's been somewhat useful with everybody out. Uh, but the Lakers are missing Jackson Hayes. That meant more Christian Wood, but it didn't really mean more anything good for Christian Wood. Um, it has meant more Torian Prince because Jerry Vanderbilt's still out and Cam Reddish was back out for uh, their game in Oklahoma City on the back-to-back. They're just they're down five rotation guys, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Torian Prince played 32 minutes in that game in OKC. He just didn't get to do very much, and they look kind of exhausted. So that one's iffy. It's why I didn't put him on the injury replacement board, and certainly if you're the Lakers, you're hoping you get some of those guys back for this ball game. And that is our big weekend review and weekend preview show. I'm going to pull... It's been a really cool-looking chat room. Looks like everybody is really kind of chatting with each other. I'm going to try to skim through as fast as possible and see if I can grab one or two questions that are kind of uh, not league-dependent. And if that isn't uh, super obvious, then... uh, We'll, we'll move forward. Here's one. Who is your favorite pickup out of Brandon Pajemski, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker? The safest is uh, Dorian Finney-Smith because you know Ben Simmons is going to be out for a while yet. Um, Ale- Nikhil Alexander-Walker is your big upside play, but you can't really make that move until we know if Anthony Edwards is playing in the next ball game. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of where you lean on that one. Um, let's see. What do we got here? Anything else that is... Super, like, across-the-board league relevant. Who would you prefer between Zach Collins and Onyeka Okongwu? That's actually a pretty good question. Uh, Zach Collins is at 128. A lot of that's because he's at almost three turnovers a game. And Okongwu is right at the top 100 without turning the ball over per game. So I think the answer is, if you give a crap about turnovers, it's Okongwu. And if you don't really, like if you've built a team the way I often do, which is... I don't go heavy turnovers early. So my teams with Zach Collins, he doesn't hurt them that much. You know, I my early guys like Kyrie Irving only turned the ball over one and a half times or Kawhi Leonard 1.4 times. My early round picks are not nine, eight cat guys. They're nine cat guys. So that allows me to get a guy like Zach Collins later in a draft and not really worry about the fact that he's one of my higher turnover dudes. So I probably prefer Zach Collins. Um... Now, like, if Clint Capella gets hurt tomorrow, then I reserve the right to change my opinion on that, but that's where I come from. And I'm assuming that most of you guys that are listening or watching this show also follow the Dan Bespris doctrine, and you're not going heavy on the giveaway guys early, like you don't have a team that's Luca, Cade, and Darius Garland, because then you really cannot afford to have another high turnover guy late in your draft. But, you know, if you have Tyrese Maxey early, he's not a high turnover guy. Or even Tyrese Halliburton at only 2.5, and, and Shea's at 2.2. There's a lot of guys that went early this year that are not 3.5 turnover dudes. So getting a high 2's turnover guy at that spot, you can kind of treat Zach Collins like you are punting turnovers, even if you're not really. You're not punting them. You just have a nice, solid base. And if you're punting turnovers, Collins is number 87, and Okongwu is way the hell down the board somewhere. So that's the difference. Like, if you have a high turnover team, Okongwu makes a lot of sense. If you have a low turnover team, you can afford to have Collins. Well, that makes... see if that adds up a little bit. Uh, let's see. I'd like to do one more. Here's an interesting one. Kawhi Leonard or Damian Lillard? I'm going to go Dame on this one. Um... Even though right this second, Kawhi is actually beating him in per-game ranking. Kawhi's number 18, Dame is number 24. 
Um, I do, and Kawhi's played in every game he's been healthy for, which is freaking unbelievable. They just had a five-game and seven-night stretch, and Kawhi played in all of them. It just feels to me like Dame's field goal percent is going to tick up. He's at 42. I believe that gets up to 44 or 45 as the season goes. And that alone is enough to probably catch him up with Kawhi, who, by the way, might see his free throw number go up as well. I think I just trust Dame a little bit more long-term, but you guys know I love all those guys. Love me, my old dudes. And I hope the rest of you guys were able to kind of help each other in the chat room. We're going to cut this one off at about 50 minutes on the show. Thank you all so much for watching. Thank you for liking. Come on, guys, hit the button, seriously. There's like 100 of you hanging out with us live, and how many of you have actually liked it? I haven't looked, but I'm guessing it's like 15 to 20. So somebody hit that button on their way out. Please subscribe. That means the world to us here. Uh, check out those 90, night, or night and 90 shows that I've been trying to work up. Check me out over on social at Dan Bespris. And definitely, definitely, definitely come hang out with us over in the Sports Ethos Discord. That's a lot of what you've got in the chat room going right now of just like people helping people, which is absolutely radical. I love it. Um, and I'll throw that link back up on the screen for you if you don't even want to have to go into the show description to find it. So come hang out in Discord. You can ask your questions in there. You can also upgrade to the Fantasy Pass, which is only 6 bucks a month, and then you get access to all the pros in Discord. You get access to my thoughts in real time, the stuff that you know I put out on social at the end of the night. Discorders in the premium side get that earlier. There's a lot of cool reasons to think about upgrading. That'd be great. It helps Sports Ethos run. But even if you don't want to do that, just come hang out with us over there and uh, we'll all play together. Thank you again to Manscaped.com. Promo code there again is Ethos20. I will see you guys over on social media over the weekend. I'm hoping I can actually get a show going this weekend. I'd love to demo one of these new ideas I've got. But as he throws his hands in the air in confusion, I don't know. We'll see. Either way, have a great Friday, everybody. Enjoy the games. Talk to you soon one way or another. I'm Dan Vespers, and I'm out.